Hi, I'm Jacqueline Delarue, author of Worry, Worry, Warts Guide to Self Mastery. And um, my leadership quote is A great leader's courage to fulfill his vision comes from passion, not position, by John C. Maxwell. The Leader Assistant Podcast exists to encourage and challenge assistants to become confident, game changing leader assistants. The Leader Assistant Podcast is brought to you by Goody. If you send business gifts to employees, clients, or sales prospects, Goody is a game changer. You can send one gift or hundreds at a time without ever worrying about shipping details. With Goody, your gift recipients provide all their shipping info, and they can even swap out your gift for another option if they prefer. It's free to start gifting, and you can get a $20 credit when you sign up. Oh, and if you mention you heard about Goody from the Leader Assistant Podcast, Goody will add an extra $10 credit to your account. So go to leaderassistant.com slash Goody, that's G-O-O-D-Y, to start gifting today. Again, that's leaderassistant.com slash Goody. Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Leader Assistant Podcast. It's your host, Jeremy Burrows, and I'm excited to be speaking with Jacqueline Delarue today. Jacqueline, how's it going? Awesome, Jeremy. Thanks for having me. It's um, it's a real pleasure to be on your podcast today. Yeah, and you're actually um, on episode 157, so 157 episodes of the podcast, Um not every single one of them have been interviews, but over 100 of them have been. And if uh, you're listening and you want to find the show notes for this episode, just check out leaderassistant.com slash 157, and you'll have links to connect with Jacqueline and um, all, all sorts of fun stuff. So Jacqueline, let's dive in. And why don't you tell us about your EA career? Um, I'm looking at your bio, and it says you've had over 20 years of experience as an assistant. Tell us about how you got into that field and what, what types of um, companies and industries you worked for. Sure. So I'm based in Australia and my career as an executive assistant started in my early 20s. I originally started out as a domestic travel consultant for a boutique travel firm uh, working with the rich and famous and um, a lot of uh, high, high profile, uh, wealthy people. And I did that for two and a half years. And then I, um, I really enjoyed the travel part. And, um, I think that set me up for, you know, being able to organize travel when I did eventually work in the field of being an EA, but I went to, um, Williams business college in North Sydney in my early twenties. And my first job was, uh, a legal secretary at Freehills law firm, and that was fun. I worked in industrial relations there and we had uh, lots of train strikes that we would have to quickly um, respond to. And I learned to type really fast, uh, really quick there. But um, one of the fondest memories I have there was my one of the senior lawyers called me Lucy from the TV show I Love Lucy um, because I think because I was only in my early 20s and I was very green, um, uh, very raw at my job. 
I, uh, I, I was putting the filing in, um, not in sequential order. So I learned very quickly. Um, he would yell out from his office, Lucy, you've got some explaining to do. And, um, yeah, we, we had lots of fun. Um, and then I moved into, I left law and I moved into banking and financial services, um, for the internationally, uh, renowned Macquarie group. And, um, we had some really fun times there too. I worked in human resources in the investment banking division. Then I found my love for learning and development. And I worked with a really, um, strong and passionate leader called Ian Woodward and, we did some amazing things. We did a Masters of Finance program uh, working with INSEAD, which is a an educational body uh, based in Singapore, France. And I actually got to travel to Singapore, which was really cool. Um, and I saw the start of that cohort. Um, they did a two-week training program in finance and accounting. And... Um, after that, I moved into, I had my first child, Heidi, and she's now 12. And after that, I took six months off to have um, some time with her. And then I moved back to Macquarie part-time. And then I moved into a medical device firm for a short period. And then I found um, the work-life balance was really good with the professional services firm. So I worked with EY for a number of years on and off and I had my second child, Fletcher. Um, but EY was really fabulous with um, flexible working. They were very family-friendly. Their values aligned with mine and I had a lot of fun working for them as well. And then most recently I've worked in an insurance firm. So lots of different um, backgrounds, lots of different corporations, lots of interesting people and lots of great experience um, across my career. So 20 years all up and um, now I'm moving into training and development of executive assistants with the EA Institute. So I'm really passionate about that and that's where my leadership quote comes from. Um, you know, I'm, I'm passionate to work with executive assistants and see them grow and, and develop. Amazing. So did you like the assistant role from the get-go or did you kind of grow into it? I, I, yeah, I really liked, I'm naturally, um, you know, as an EA, I'm naturally drawn to helping people and, and seeing others succeed, especially when you're working with a great leader where they, um, you know, teach you how to work in a, in a team and that you've got a really specific role to play and they can really pull out your strengths, um, which I've had the privilege of working with some amazing leaders who have helped me become the best assistant that I could be. And, um, you know, you really rise to different challenges working with um, clients and, you know, high-profile um clients in capital cities where um you you know you want to deliver and and please them and and make sure that you're delivering high quality work so that you shine um on behalf of the company and the company shines and your boss shines and um yeah so i think i, I probably grew into it jeremy but um yeah i've had a lot of fun and a lot of laughter along the way as well Cool. So, could you tell us the, 
funny stories or embarrassing moments or, you know, interesting stories from your career? <laughs> um, yeah, I've had – well, working at Macquarie Group was um, is, was interesting because it was at the peak of um, the, you know, really good financial times in, in Australia. So the company was growing. Um, I was – as I said earlier, I was – privileged to be part of a program that they invested a lot of money into their staff and you know to travel to Singapore and France as part of um, your career and to learn and grow as well um, was pretty amazing and um, yeah we had lots of fun parties at some of the you know funkiest establishments in Sydney Um, and at the time I lived quite a long way away so it was that work hard play hard culture where um, you know they would you know, the workload was really high and often I wouldn't leave the office until eight or nine o'clock at night. And I lived an hour and a half away from Sydney and they would give you a cab charge or a taxi. At the time I had a, um, a favorite driver because, you know, you, you don't want to be jumping into random taxis, um, all the time. So I had this, a familiar person that used to drive me home. So, um, yeah, that was some of my fondest memories because it really teaches you, um, yeah, that yeah, work hard, play hard. Um, you have a lot of fun and achieve some really cool things. Yeah, and you mentioned you worked with like high profile, famous people early on in your career. Is there anybody famous that you worked for that that listeners would recognize? Uh, yeah, when I was working in travel um, in the early days, um, Athena. I don't know if you know she's she's. Um, not here anymore, but Athena Starwoman. She she used to um, you know read astrology, and um, she used to come in, and we booked travel for her. Uh, Nicole Kidman, um, and a famous Australian actress. Yeah, uh, she would come yeah. in. And who else is? Um, that's to name, yeah, just to name a couple of people. Um, I, yeah, and I also just worked you know, would book travel for, um, you know, everyday people that would come in. And I remember this one story where I booked a, um, a helicopter. Oh, actually I should have booked the helicopter. So this particular client went to one of the islands off Queensland and, um, the seas were so rough that she, um, she got off and had sea legs at the, when, by the time she arrived at the island and, uh, she had a bit of a nasty fall and um, had to spend about two or three weeks in in a rehab uh, facility resting and recovering. And um, at the time I thought, you know, maybe if I was more experienced as a travel consultant, I was in my early, you know, late teens at that stage. I didn't have a lot of life experience or I hadn't been to some of these places. So it's not until you sort of experience it that you can really recommend the best best way but in hindsight I thought oh maybe I should have booked her the helicopter or had advised her to do that but anyway you live and learn um after these things so wow yeah that would be tough yeah definitely so what about your book so when did you decide to write the book and um how was that whole process Sure. So in 2014, my one of my best friends, um, she developed breast cancer and 
from that moment, um, she went through treatment and six months later, um, she was no longer with us. So um, it was one of those trigger moments in my life where we were, I'd been to school with her. I'd known her for a number of years. We were living next door to each other at the time. Our kids were young. We had two kids around the same age. We were spending a lot of time socialising. We were, you know, ingrained in each other's lives. So um, to lose her was quite traumatic for me at that point in time because, you know, early 30s, you're sort of thinking, why why has this happened to, to somebody so young? Um, so that was a trigger point for me to, I guess, potentially have, you know, some fear, worry and anxiety around my own life, um, a little bit of guilt around, you know, why her, why not me? Um, why does this happen at all? Um, so I probably spent a little bit of time suffering and still continuing to work as an EA, be a mother, and um, I really found myself struggling, to be honest. I'm thinking, you know, why <clears throat> there's more to life than than doing these, you know, these tasks or these things, and I guess I had a little built, bit of built-up anger. So I engaged a coach um, to work with me around that. So some people might see a psychologist or go and have some therapy. So I guess in, in my way, this was my therapy. So, and I kept running into this um, particular person, Katrina um, Friel, and I, I, I found her at uh, corporate events. She was an MC at a virtual assistant conference. And then um, I would run into her at um, spiritual events you know those days where you walk into a convention center and it's a spiritual day and you can walk around and get reiki and see crystal healers and all that sort of stuff so she had that side to her as well and I thought about after the third or fourth time of running into her um we agreed to that you know we were, there was a connection there and we decided to work together so at that time I didn't know that I was going to end up writing a book but we ended up doing some coaching and some therapy and um, I started writing down some, you know, we had a workshop day where we wrote down the chapters and um, she said, you know, just start focusing in on writing some content based on this. You, you've got it all there. You just need to do it. And being a perfectionist and being a busy mother of two and working five days a week as an EA, you know what it's like, Jeremy, it's um, sometimes challenging to find time for, for these sorts of things. So, I think the big push was when COVID hit in 20, um, 2020 um, in Australia. It was like March and I, I thought, wow, there's a lot of people potentially out there who are worried or, you know, suffering with fear and anxiety around what this pandemic is all about and what, what it means for everyone. So that was the driving force. I thought, okay, the world needs, you know, potentially could this could be of service. So um, I smashed out the rest of the chapters. I, I forgot about it being, you know, perfect because being an EA, I um, sometimes get caught up in that perfectionism um, mentality. And Katrina was really good with that too, because she obviously knew that that was something that was going to be a block for me. Um, and she even said, just title the book rough, really rough draft, Da, 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 da. And so for me, I felt like I was just working on a rough draft and it didn't need to be completely perfect because it was never going to be, you know, if I kept writing and writing and writing, it was all it was also going to be this huge book that nobody would ever read or or get to because 
I would never know when to draw the line and say this has got to go out now. So anyway, I got um, got it edited and, and got it out there and um, yet yeah, hit number one in the worry and anxiety section at on Amazon. So that was um, that was a real privilege and it's you know when I worked at EY, I, I had the um, privilege of um, having these workshops and forums. They let me speak to um, so Brisbane, all the capital cities, and the officers really wanted to hear about about my book and I had a lot of um, EAs um, buy the book as well and um, yeah so it's been it's been fun. Are you ready to elevate your career in 2024? I'm Maggie Olson, founder of Nova Chief of Staff Certification, the first of its kind online course for aspiring and existing chiefs of staff. With curriculum taken directly from on-the-job responsibilities, Nova's self-paced learning modules provides you with hands-on experience so you can feel competent and confident moving into a chief of staff style role. It's the perfect next step for executive assistants. Head to leaderassistant.com slash Nova to learn more, grab the syllabus and enroll today. That's great. Well, sorry, I had to, uh, my boy was knocking on the door, so that's why it took me a second. Oh, that's okay. Um, That's okay. So tell us about training assistance and networking and community. Um, what's the maybe one thing that you would encourage assistance listening to do when it comes to their, their own professional development? Sure. So, I mean, if, if you're privileged enough to work um, for a company that develops you and gives you that opportunity and and pays and potentially can pay for you to undertake a course where you can um, uplift your skills or develop and grow personally and professionally for me I'm an activated learner so I um and and apparently we're only um I forget the percentage now but there's only a number of the people of people out there who um you know look for courses and, and pay for them themselves and really want to grow and develop. Um, most, some people are just happy to plot along and, um, you know, learn through experience or whatever. But um, I'm working with the EA Institute, which is uh, based in Australia, the CEO, Amanda Vinci's in Perth and the team's um, Sydney, Melbourne and now Sunshine Coast-based. We're um, really passionate about developing and growing um, executive assistance through the high-performing EA course and um, it's a 12-month program where you get a certification and um, you know you, you can u- utilize that to um, you know put it on your resume or, or get a promotion through work or and it's also about um, you know once you're operating at that strategic um, business level with your leader or with your boss then you're you're elevating each other you can you know be like mirrors to each other and um, elevate each other and and grow um, together and then that also provides amazing results for the company as well nice so you work with uh, amanda vinci yes great she was on uh, episode 42 for those of you who are listening and would like to learn more and hear uh, a little bit of Amanda's story. Uh, that was episode 42, leaderassistant.com slash 42 to check out that interview. Um, so 
I'm going to ask a question I ask all of my guests. Um, Jacqueline, what makes an assistant a leader? I guess in my personal opinion, Jeremy, I think it's around self-leadership. And I talk about this in my book a little bit as well. Um, you know, it's how how do you self-regulate when you you are experiencing some stressful times at work? How do you stay in control and, you know, manage your time and deliver results um, when there are obstacles and challenges and roadblocks in your way? So, um, and also provide, um, you know, show empathy and some emotional intelligence. Because, um, I mean, I'm sure we've all come across people in the workplace who, uh, could uh, do with a little bit of emotional intelligence um, shined upon them as well. Um, and they stand out as well, um, if, if you can identify them as well. But, um, yeah, I think it's self-leadership because once you can control yourself, you realise that there's some things external to you that you've got no control over and um, you just need to learn how to respond to that in the best way um, with empathy, with compassion, with kindness, with the best of intentions um, for yourself, for your, and, and also in line with um, your values as well. And I think that comes with a bit of maturity. Um, yeah. Yeah, well said. And you talk about worry in your book and you're talking about um, giving up control and realizing that we're not in control. I, you know, I talk a lot about the idea that if you're worrying a lot, um, oftentimes the root behind your worry is this desire or over desire for control. And when you feel that control slipping away or realize that you're actually not in very much control, uh, that's mm. when you, that's when you worry. So mm. what's, what's maybe kind of to wrap, wrap the conversation up. What's one, um, practical tip that you would like to share maybe it's from your book or from your training um institute that will help those listening who are worry warts yes jeremy so one thing that's really helpful for me is um meditating and mindfulness so i'm really focusing in on that and being mindful about you know at certain times during the day, you know, when you're having a shower, just think, okay, well, um, is steam rising from from the shower outlet? Is the water hot or cold? Um, what's the sensation? Um, even thinking about your feet and feeling the water around your feet and, and just taking those simple moments in your day, driving the car or, you know, walking the dog and just setting your intention and having – a mindful experience when you're doing something that potentially could be, you know, something that you do all the time and you do, you do it unconsciously without thinking and spending for me now, you know, maximum or minimum 45 minutes or 30 minutes meditating, just finding that space just to be still with yourself and not, and not judging your practice, but, um, and not saying, well, I can't meditate or I don't like it or, you know, um, having some sort of judgment about the, the whole process. It's just giving yourself that time to sit with yourself and find some clarity. 
And I mean, for me, it's it can be quite challenging. The first five or ten minutes, you sort of wrestling with with yourself around, I should be doing this, or I've got a list of things that I need to get done. But just sitting in that in that space of being allows you to be better at all of those things that are on your list when you get to it. But just allowing that small amount of time just to have a little bit of peace come through your body and that mental clarity. And when you come away from that experience, you might even reprioritize what was on your list because when we get too caught up in worry and fear and anxiety and, and the doing and the busyness, we for, we often might be doing things that aren't in alignment with our intentions or our values or our priorities. So it's just coming back to center and, and what's important. Yeah. Well said. I mean, the world we live in does not allow or easily allow us to have space and, um, be still and, you know, instead we are uh, overstimulated and, um, distracted and, yeah, just uh, I think that's good, good advice to slow down and and meditate and, mm. and just pause, um, mm. and then you kind of get refreshed. And like you said, maybe you'll re end up realizing that some things on your list are not priority or more priority than other things, and just helps you mm. do a better job and um, be a more pleasant person to be around. <laughs> Exactly. And it's also showing love and care for your body as well. Um, because it's not, it's not great physically to be living off coffee and, um, you know, for a lot of women, our hormones can get out of balance when, when we are stressed all the time. And some people live in a a heightened state of stress for a very long period of time. And, um, it can lead to, you know, some fairly major health issues down the track. Yeah. Definitely. Well, Jacqueline, thanks so much for being on the show. How can people find you if they want to reach out, say hi, and learn more? Sure. Um, my uh, website is worrywart.com.au. Um, you can also uh, find me through the EA Institute and LinkedIn, uh, Facebook, Instagram are my main, main ways of contact. Perfect. Well, I'll link to those in the show notes at leaderassistant.com slash 157. And yeah, thanks again. Uh, Best of luck to you. Keep reminding them to slow down is what I'm trying to say. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to slow down as I watch my kids play basketball in the driveway. And uh, yeah. Thank you, Jeremy. It's a pleasure to be on episode 157. And um, yeah, it's been awesome talking to you. Thank you so much. Please review on Apple Podcasts. Go bullos.com.